0: The, you kinda like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet fish <laughs> um, or the Big Mac, and he says... I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> yeah, like this it. guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bald Move Television Podcast. We're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And I'm Cecily. And we are here to talk about three new shows that debuted on television this week. Catch-22, a Hulu original, uh, d- dropped a whole season on us. Uh, it's a comedy, drama, dramedy, uh, starring, uh, well, well George Clooney and Hugh Laurie and what's that guy's name?
0: His name is Christopher Abbott.
1: Christopher Abbott. Uh, we also looking at uh, Fleabag, which returns for season two, but uh, we're going to talk about it anyway because we- there's no rules. It's all television we're covering here. And finally, the HBO documentary, sports documentary, Muhammad Ali, Say My Name. We'll be discussing that in this order. Uh guys, let's start with Hulu's Catch 22. Um I watched is,
0: one episode. This is six forty-five
1: minute episodes. They all dropped today. They're all available. Um are you guys either of you guys familiar with the original the novel, the source material?
2: No, I didn't even know there was one.
1: Nope. Uh I'm not either. It's I I can't it's one of those things that's like kind of hard to get out of a literature class in high school without being familiar with it, but somehow right. <laughs> Mooresville didn't carry it in their cu- curriculum. Um, but it's essentially about a guy who is a bomber, a uh, bomber, a bomber, bomber, uh, like a he major, major, actually dropped major, major major bomber, drop, bomber. <laughs> dropped, dropped the bombs on the bomber planes uh, in World War II. And his feelings about war and being stuck with it and the madness and the crazy things that happen. And, uh, him trying to get out of of, of fighting that war, and the catch twenty two refers to the. I'm not sure if it's real or if this is a farcical military uh, doctrine that um, if you if, if you are if you if you if you don't the what the, the, they actually succinctly state this that the army can says that if you don't if if the, that appropriate fear and concern for one's safety in a dangerous situation is a rational response. So just being afraid. Uh, to go out on these bombers is is, is a sane thing, so, but also you don't have to fly the bombers if you're crazy, but the second you say you're crazy so you can get out of, you're making a rational thought process, so then you're no longer crazy and you have to fly the planes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the catch-22. It's a hell of a catch. Um, what do you guys think about it, uh, especially like, the, th- did it successfully navigate the kind of rough waters of comedy and drama? dealing with like the horrors of war and also just kind of funny life in the military type stories yeah i really think it did um i i felt like those
2: bomber scenes were pretty harrowing uh even even the ones that go right and then nobody dies uh i i felt very much the fear that the the bomber was feeling in any given moment
0: right even in like the scene where they were doing the test with the pilot or their instructor yeah yeah it still had you could just feel that tension there
2: and they do a good job of, of everybody kind of on the radios going, hurry the fuck up. Let's mm-hmm. get this done. Like Look you know, at the yeah. hellscape we're in. Uh, drop those bombs. Drop those bombs. And he's like, nope, just hold. I need, I need to get line this up or this mm-hmm. is for nothing and we're going to have to go out and do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all, all that stuff worked. And then the comedy stuff, I, I thought, was a, almost just a nice bonus. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't find it super hilarious, but I did enjoy it. And yeah. I'm looking forward although I will say I don't think we've seen the best of George Clooney or Hugh Laurie. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more with them. I don't think we'll
1: see George Clooney ever again. No? Yeah, I was thought he is. Was, was of like camp? the um uh the, the swimmer character see from the, the, from, the um, drill sergeant? Yeah, he, yeah, he was kind like the drill sergeant that got him whipped into shape and now Okay. i I actually don't even know if we'll see Hugh Laurie anymore. I kind of feel like those were big cameos that were there to kinda of, you know, it's George it a George Lucas it's a George Lucas. George Clooney production, so throwing him in there um, you know kind of gets people's butts in, in the seats for Hulu and then uh, but yeah I don't I like it I feel like both of those characters are, are dismissed early on hmm.
0: I think they'll all come back yeah or both of them I think it kind of the theme and it's pretty obvious but I think the theme is the circular logic of everyone mm-hmm. you know it's there's only nine more missions left but now you've got five more tacked on and it's just gonna keep repeating mm-hmm. so I think I feel like those people are gonna come back and Sort of the exact same way throughout this person's experience, but I don't yeah. know. I haven't read the book.
2: I, th- I think if this is a fake military doctrine and it's not real, they really should have called the show and potentially the book. I don't know what the name of that is, but Catch Twenty Five uh-huh. would actually be a better why Catch Twenty Five because they have to run twenty five missions, right? Oh,
1: well now that everybody run knows
2: Catch Twenty Two, and yeah. so they would kind of infer mm.
1: the the circular logic of it all, but um. I thought because there's a lot of other things like I got myself I, I found myself being charmed by like there's this um, character named Milo and he has this pitch for being a mess officer because everyone's trying to work it seems like there's a couple of characters trying to work angles to keep them out of flying these dangerous dangerous bombing missions sure uh, and I'm like because they they make this Hugh Laurie when you see this guy this this major that runs the this Air Wing he's very cultured. And he, you know, like like if he was a millennial, he'd be ordering toast with avocado. Uh, he's got okay. like, you know, a he, he's, he's got like a record player set up playing, you know, uh, high class music. And he's throwing he's got a, like a, a h- horseshoe pitch, which is kind of low class. But you just kind of get that he's kind of this type of guy who wants his rack of lamb and his exotic eats and his odd exotic drinks. And there's this guy here to um, provide it for him. But then. I feel like he's replaced in this episode. Like this this new hard charging guy is put over it and this other guy gets sidelined. I'm like, "Ah, oh, why? I was really getting invested in this Milo and his rise to mess officer. What's what's going on here?" Um I, I don't what what are the what is Hugh Laurie's rank? Cuz I know that other guy's a colonel, right? I thought they were both majors. Hugh Laurie's for he sure i said, a I'm, major. I'm colonel Something. Maybe yeah you could be right the other guy's lieutenant colonel i don't and i also don't know the structure of, of yeah i that. was making surmise like when i yeah you're right i, I might be wrong but that that might, might might be like middle management yeah i don't know the
0: titles um, um, i'm hoping
2: that they can coexist because i love hugh Laurie. uh after years and years of house and just you know his british comedy stuff um i would like to see him come back yeah
0: right yeah the comedy's all very just understated yeah mm-hmm especially his stuff. (laughs) What's interesting, because like
1: when we were first watching this and I, and I was kind of familiar with the source material catch 22, at least I knew what it was thematically. And I'm like, you know, we had this interesting conversation yesterday on the spoiler podcast about like kind of pacifism and you know, what extreme pacifism looks like and whether we kind of agree with it. And when this started up, I'm like, Oh, this guy's like a pacifist to the extent that you won't like, if you won't fight against Nazi Germany, I don't know that there's a fight that you feel is morally justified. I'm like, this is going to be interesting to see how I can, you know... Because I guess I can be sympathetic for anyone that doesn't want to fight war because you're afraid and no one wants to die and et cetera. But, like, if there's a reasonable case that there's some kind of existential crisis and you don't fight against something that's broadly considered one of the greatest evils of the 20th century, then, like, how sympathetic am I going to be to this person? But then you find out that, like even though he's extremely feeling this fear and he tries to get get out of it in any way he can like he will he's not going to shirk like he's not the type Mm -hmm. of guy who like drop the bombs early like he takes the job seriously and then you know when he finds out that like he's just counting down to 25 counting down to 25 then they arbitrarily add five more missions and they Mm -hmm. talk about like oh when you're done in germany you're going to go to japan and he'd make some good points, like, "Hey, yeah, we have got we got Germany on the ropes. Like, why are we still doing this? And we're risking lives to? Because why again? Yeah. I, I thought those were interesting things: bravery, courage,
0: pacifism. In, well, what kind of man is the? Uh, how do you say his name? Yo Safaria, something like that. Yo yo. Yo yo. Oh, what kind of man is he? Is he a good man? Because there's nothing wrong with not wanting to do these bombing missions, but he's also sleeping with his—I uh, want to say—officer, officer, officer Clooney, cucking, cuck
2: George Clooney. Yeah, yes, I didn't think that was possible, frankly. But you know, just goes to show Clooney's that's... getting up there. Yeah,
0: and he accidentally sent the the young. Um, new bunkmate mud to his death
1: mm-hmm. oh god That was did, did so he realize that
2: did, did that 100 percent sink in with him because I, I didn't sure. really think he registered strongly enough oh
1: i did this to this kid i don't think so it either it depends on
0: how much he knew what was going on at the at that time because he knew he sent him to the wrong tent does yeah. he know what they were doing in there i can't right. believe is that like, where everyone reports and they're right. told which ship to get on because then he would right. make that connection right i
2: assume he's going to find out later uh, yeah. Through some other avenue that oh I actually sent this kid to his death,
1: or it could just be a kind of an illustration of how, you know, you, you always this is interesting like the they, they touch on it with the band of brothers too like how there's this intense bond between the people that go through the shit, but then like when the replacements come it's kind of like fuck this guy, mm-hmm. you know he has a he's on zero, mission zero and I'm on mission nineteen like you know but i i not think he's evil i don't think he would would realize he sent that guy to his possible death and then not get up from his cot i just feel like it's one of those things where he hasn't put two to two together and i yeah. can see them making that a thing later on and i can also see them just being like this is a statement about the fog of war and how people sure. relate to each other and kind of how fucked up things can get
0: yeah
2: yeah where do you i mean where do you think of this series is going so we've seen the first episode mm-hmm. um so obviously we're spoiling that entire thing but there are 5 more episodes. Right, this is like spoiling
1: the first 15 minutes of a movie. It's the setup. Yeah, this is yeah. all setup.
2: So so where do you where do you think this thing is going?
1: I have no idea because like this felt like a very th- this felt like a very full de- fully developed like I like this could be another episode long and it could finish and I feel like it'd be a conventional kind of a cinematic experience. Obviously there's 5 more rough hours of you know roughly five hours of television i guess four hours of television ahead of us i have no idea because also how can they top this stuff you know we've seen like how this utterly terrifying like mm-hmm. i've always thought it'd be terrible to be in these like rigid lines that the armies used to stand in where you're standing shoulder to shoulder and you're take your leg like, you know ready aim fire reload mm-hmm. ready and, th- and then the other volleys come in and just like how fucked up that is that you're just standing there and people dying all around you and it's like that World War II bombing campaign is almost exactly like that. Like men yeah. rigidly for flying in formation through hell, and then you just hope that more of your bombs hit than than they knock planes out of the sky. And how helpless. Like everyone in that situation is, like except for the bomber, like the pilot has to fly straight until the bomber says it's ready to go, and then once the bomber says it's go time, he's then helpless to do anything but be careful. And, and the way that... He like looked over to his fellow like bomber gunner or whatever. Then they like made eye contact and then explode and like I don't know if this has ever happened in World War 2, but I believe it could happen. His body just slams. That was fucked up. Yeah, it is. Um so like that's a strong statement, but I mean, it seems clear that this guy like I think maybe that he will actually go crazy and they'll be like that'll be Th- interesting. That's what
2: I'm thinking. Yeah, like cuz you know the I, the idea of a Catch 22 and the sort of it being the title tells me that A, they're going to go with the the irony of it all, right? Which I think makes a lot of sense. But Mm. also, I think they're going to go with the genuine idea that these situations, you know, being, even if you're not crazy going into these situations, there's only a certain amount of shit that people can take. Before they snap, yeah. Yeah, and this guy, I mean, well, there's the very first shot of the Uh episode, right? Where he walks in back into camp from some horrific experience covered in blood Uh and screaming completely naked. Uh Uh-huh. I mean is that, that that's the end of the series right?
0: Yeah, I forgot about it's gotta that. It's got to
2: be. Scene. Yeah, you're right. I just, Or is it to, like <laughs> s-
0: uh, some kind of nightmare he's having because he's seen so much and he's gone crazy like you said? I think that ends in either he he goes crazy or maybe he makes an escape. Well, cuz it seems like clearly because like, he sees so much of this, maybe that yeah. scene happens and he just can't take it anymore.
1: Yeah, he's like 17 or 18 missions in and clearly he's still saying like if he got out now mm-hmm he'd live a normal life and also you can't call him a coward he flew through 19 no, combat missions God, no. of this of this shit so it's like but if the next 11 mission like it, 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 it's Teresa's gonna be like you're you know you will do this thing until you become insane mm-hmm. uh, and also
2: the pointlessness of it too because like right. you said Germany is on the ropes yeah. and like he's he was made a promise and now that promise is being altered you know yeah. the, the, the
1: he's, he got Darth Vader'd uh, I, I don't know I'm And also, like, if you're telling that story, how are they going to keep it consistently funny? Because it's all all fun to see this guy, you know, fucking George Clooney's wife as he's doing these pointless military drills and this guy's doing his mess officer. But, you know, it's already, like, I think kind of harder for the show to be funny after they did the sequence where he got, you know, that guy's corpse got blown into the canopy. Um, It's like Breaking Bad, you know, Breaking Bad could be darkly funny or very, very dramatic and invested, but like the, doing the la- the, the latter hurt its ability to do the former, you know? So like, yeah. And over time they drop that. Yeah. Real right. grim, grim places.
2: And I also wonder who's, who I'm supposed to believe in some of these scenes. Like it's clear that the main character has a somewhat nihilistic view of things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's talking about, uh, you know, he says he's not casting judgment on God, but he's simply pointing out facts. But he's talking about, oh, the cruelty of God and mm-hmm. the scenario he's in. And then when they talk about these parades, I thought it was interesting because the one guy sees them as a team building exercise right. uh, to, to build camaraderie, build, you know, communication, all those kinds of things. The main character sees them as a display of power mm-hmm. via the humiliation of the troops. So who am I supposed to believe in that moment? And what does that say about what's going to happen during the rest
1: of the show? But the thing is, is I think that the show wants you to think Yo-Yo is right because this character is consistently shown to be a dumbass, or maybe he's actually right objectively, but his but it doesn't the fit within the system does not fit into the army's way of doing things.
2: Right. That's kind of how I viewed it, and I don't think that's <laughs> so saying that fitting into the system is a negative thing is not something that yeah that i understand uh-huh. or or rather, sorry I, I misspoke there <laughs> saying that this person doesn't fit
1: into the system uh-huh. isn't necessarily a negative thing to me well but like when you see the system is flying shoulder shoulder interlocked never like budging and like just rigidly following this thing um even though everything in your body is screaming to turn the wheel get the fuck out of here like that is how you do it. Like But he's so right about the other
2: thing when he's yeah. talking about, "Oh, why why can't you fucks get into formation correctly and do right. this march?" Right. I mean, he's kind of right. You know, mm-hmm. break down the teams into smaller groups, get mm-hmm. them refined at the lower levels and then build right. them up into a cohesive unit. Like that all makes sense to me. So when they try to portray him as wrong about the purpose of the parades, I'm Maybe that's not a part of it. it. That's a,
1: like a subtle nod to the other mini catch 22s in life. Like Yeah. If you you've got this training process is re- regimented and it's one size fits all. And you're encouraged to not think outside the box. So the people you want like your officers, but to be dashing and creative and problem solvers, but you've got a system that's designed to stamp out round pegs that fit in a round hole. Yeah. So like a guy who's actually intelligent and thinks about the problem would not make it through that process. And you get a guy like George Clooney, who's just like, he wants you guys to swing seven inches or three and a half inch arc from from hip to wrist, and God damn it, why can't you do it? Whereas a person that's like, well, here's why you can't: you're a fucking square peg, and I'm trying to pound you in a round hole. Shut the fuck up. That's uh, a catch, catch twenty two. Like a person, and then
2: the f- the further catch twenty two is when you get to be an officer, right? And they actually do want you to to display all the qualities they that they beat, beat, beat the fuck you, out yeah. of you over right. the course of yeah. your training. Yeah. That's what
0: I was thinking. Like, how does Hugh Laurie go from being in like, those petty officer ranks mm-hmm. to getting up to being an officer. And, it makes and then turning into they, the person he is, yeah. It makes me mm-hmm. think that they didn't. Mm-hmm. That most of the officers... It didn't work
2: on him? or
0: No, that they didn't go through that at all. They started off.
2: Oh, I think you like, have to. I don't... Yeah, I think in the military, everybody goes through that initial training, and the people get promoted through that.
1: I thought there was, like, you got enlisted, and then... Then you've got officer. Like, there's like a you. You get. Yeah, don't list- they come out of like? Aren't aren't you? Some don't people, you get to officer training via
2: just a standard boot camp kind of?
1: Yeah, I think there's like a like so you can get like a battlefield commission, but then there's also officer training school, and that's like uh-huh. where the majority of them come out of. But I don't. Mm, I, I don't could, know enough. I obviously, be, <laughs> I could be wrong about that.
2: Yeah, um, maybe he didn't go through that. Maybe that's why he's got this these eccentricities about his personality. Yeah.
0: Right. Someone like. Uh... <laughs> gosh I wish I had their character names I know and that's (laughs) the one criticism
1: I had is like I found it very hard to tell these guys at part yeah Um, because a lot of them are like sandy blonde haired with regulation haircuts and they're all wearing the uniforms and
0: Mm -hmm. even with them helpfully going through and giving us the text version of their names next to their faces still (laughs) Uh, nothing nothing registered (laughs) yeah Um, but yeah someone like George Clooney's character seems like he did he came through it he believes in it strongly Mm -hmm. Um, even if there's a new way that 's how it's always been done, and that 's how he got to be a a disciplined man. so why would we change it now
2: <laughs> oh yeah the I mean changes in those kind of procedures come from the top, like mm. they don 't just yeah you know oh we're going to try something new today, kids, <laughs> nope,
0: <laughs> but to your point, um it seems like with the the formation and humiliating the people, and who was right. It seems like the guy who had the idea about the smaller groups was proven wrong when he locked his knees and passed out. It's like this. I, yeah, I, don't I, know I, why. I don't understand
2: why that happened.
1: Do you?
0: Yeah, it's it's a thing that happens when you get nervous. But if you're standing straight up and you lock your knees, it'll
1: impair your circulation. Yeah, it'll or impair your circulation what? and make you pass out. Yeah. It's something I learned when this. I was in
0: when I was in choir. Because huh. a lot of people when they go to perform for the first time they're trying to like really focus on their posture because that's what you've been told all along. Mm-hmm. So you're so focused on take, keeping this rigid posture, you cut off your own circulation and then just wow, pass out.
1: Yeah. All right. Right. I wasn't sure if they were leaning towards yeah. that cuz I'd heard the same thing or if it was just like it was hot.
0: I feel like you could tell on the way he started to shake before he fell. Oh. Like his oh. you could see his leg starting to shake. Right.
2: Uh, And, you know, the uh, tuba
1: is very heavy. He shouldn't have been carrying that.
0: Right. That
1: was (laughs) foolish. What do you guys think of the star Christopher Abbott? Because I didn't think much of him, honestly, in Girls, but I've seen that he's done a lot of interesting things lately. He was in First Man. He's coming up with this new um, uh, Natalie Portman, Jude Law, uh, Box Box Lux type of uh, musical deal. Um, I thought that he was really, really good Mm -hmm. in, in this show. I agree um so i don't know because i'd heard uh some stuff like with the uh, that I, something went bad between him and the girls production and that like he either demanded to be out or maybe they didn't want him to come back and i i don't know but like, like i said i didn't again i didn't think much of him in that show but like i've seen him i can't remember the last time i saw him in something um but i really like him in this and i'm looking forward to seeing him with uh that the uh, vox lux thing coming out yeah i thought another standout performance was the
2: doctor I really enjoyed every scene the Doctor was in.
0: Yes. Mm. The... The um, when yeah. the doctor was explaining the catch twenty two to Yo-Yo, uh-huh. it was actually a direct. You told me this was a direct yeah. quote from the original novel. Yeah. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah. That
1: whole line of dialogue, which I which I thought like, man, it feels like a, a who's like, who's on first type of skit. skit. It does, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's a word for word description of the character like articulating what catch twenty two is from the novel. Um, the only difference is in the novel, I guess he like whistled like when he found instead of being like that's some catch. <laughs> uh, but I like that it had a lot of that kind of like frantic um a little bit of off kilter like George Clooney men who stare in goats kind of energy to it I don't mm-hmm. know whether I'm just saying that because it's George Clooney <laughs> and I see him in a military uniform no I mean like, I he's... got
0: the same impression especially when it opens with a naked man walking on an airbase I'm yeah. like <laughs> yeah it's
1: pretty it's, it feels farcical but yeah it's very serious it, I'm, I'm very curious to see if they can continue kind of flipping this tone or it's just going to get grimmer and grimmer and grimmer Hey, before I move on, I want to promote the club club.ballmove.com where you can get fantastic club content. It's interesting on Fridays when we record this uh, TV podcast if we we actually come fresh off of lunch with Jim and Aaron, uh, a series where Jim and I talk about whatever's on our mind, and we also turn the mics over to you, the audience, and they can ask us questions. And uh, the highlight for the lunch this the, for me today, Jim, was the legend of Cocaine Bear. Oh, easily. Uh, we're talking about our top five animals of all time, and someone mentioned a there's a, there's a bear that ate forty pounds, forty kilograms of cocaine, uh-huh. and lived to tell the tale.
0: Actually, oh, yeah. that's
1: not true. He he totally died. He, yeah, he, his heart exploded and caught fire but it's kind of a funny story you can get it exclusively on lunch with jim and aaron one of the many club features uh you can test drive the club by going to club.baldmove.com, or you can preview some lunches for free see what it's all about always you can start a new 30-day trial uh to get all club content risk-free your money back if you're not satisfied start yours at club.baldmove.com today uh, do you guys want to move on to Fleabag? Let's do it. So Fleabag is an Amazon original. It's moving on to season two. Uh, and we we normally don't do season two stuff, but we were so kind of taken, I think, charmed by the trailer that we're like, you know what, fuck it. Uh, we will check this episode out. or so we'll check the season out. Uh, I noticed that they made like a two minute kind of like, Uh, everything you need to know from season one kind of previously on which i found not super helpful (laughs) (laughs) i found i was more confused at the end of that than i would have been without it yeah but i gotta say i fucking love this episode this felt so like emotionally real Mm -hmm. um i feel like when i was growing up all of the sitcoms were essentially trying to show you how things should be like how like this is how families should interact, and this is how families should deal with problems, and this is how friends should support each other. And like nowadays, uh, television series are like that generation grew up, and like, this is how things actually were in the homes you know we were watching it's like a uh, wonder
2: years kind of thing
1: yeah we we yeah, yeah 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 we were we were watching we were all watching like uh, family ties and silver spoons and uh growing pains and the fucking tanners and full house but what we were really li- living were these passive aggressive old generation versus new generation people walking on like these family dynamics like i i just thought I don't know. I, I I thought it was it was very entertaining and and uh, kind of also insightful. Yeah. This
2: this dinner scene, this whole dinner scene, and it's effectively like the whole episode is this dinner scene. Yeah. Um. But in the beginning, especially, I very much felt like I did with uh, Russian Doll, where it's just like bombarding you with so much conversation you can't possibly take it in. The thing that I really loved about it is that that was the point of it. Yeah. And that every smoke break she took was me taking my own fucking smoke break from this episode and it really worked for me in that regard yeah uh where you know a lot of shows just play it straight like catch up yeah catch up and i never want to catch up this one was like oh my god it's so much
1: (laughs) yeah yeah okay i thought it was i i had um i had like I just recently went down and spent some time with my dad um, in Florida and we had kind of like a tense dinner situation where it's like I couldn't put my <laughs> finger exactly what was ratcheting up the tension in every single thing. But like I kept on like Jesus Christ if politics comes up right now. It's going to but like this this dinner was like that like every single thing seemed like oh you could should be able to roll with that. But they just kept on piling on and piling on mm-hmm. and the editing is really good of like um, you know. I there's this one part where like her stepmom is she's invited this Catholic priest who's a very unconventional Catholic priest and he's swearing and he's talking <laughs> Who may about, not even
2: be a Catholic might priest. not he might
1: be a fake Catholic priest okay. I don't know that's that's an interesting it, it doesn't seem like from seeing the trailer that that's actually the case but he's just an unconventional Catholic priest and his her his her their, their, their her parents which are kind of like oblivious and um they're well-meaning but they say stupid stuff like I feel like a lot of shows like this would have the I mom I don't think
0: they're that well-meaning
1: yeah, maybe. But she, she's the type of mom to be like, oh, anything. The interesting way about this, fa- the father so and so, is this mother's originally a lesbian. And like, then it just smash cuts there. Like, a, like the a, five race, years ago, yeah. this sitcom would just show everyone being uncomfortable. But now you just, so this, like, you, it's like they flash forward 50 minutes in a conversation knowing, like, oh, God, that's one of the things that's ratcheting the tension here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's just the fact good. that you know you would be that casual about revealing people's personal details and the fact it also be like a you're saying interesting but you're kind of using it to say shocking or scandalous and i just thought the way to edit it and the way that the
0: right this person is an extension of her and this person the more interesting that they are the more interesting she becomes Mm -hmm. you know the she was really Mm -hmm. seemed to clearly be hoping he was wearing he was going to wear his little dog collar
2: yeah yeah (laughs) Um, almost to say look who I found
0: <laughs> <laughs> right exactly like
2: showing off a pet
1: yeah that's yeah,
0: exactly like that oh, a lot of
1: the reason this works is the this Phoebe Waller bridge who I had never heard of before watching this but is I that guess the main character she's the main character she's the creator of the show she, she's the writer oh, of the show and she and this, wrote wow. the
0: show Killing Eve too this, which this is, is also really based popular. on the,
1: I guess a stage play that she had written and oh. performed and she's also behind yeah she's the showrunner of, uh, and head writer I think of the BBC Killing Eve which I've heard a ton of good things about yeah so like suddenly she just burst on and like she's just great like they are she does these fourth wall breaks that i find very very funny and, and very smooth
2: right. too like yes. there are there are moments like where she takes a breath and then like winks at the camera or something
0: yeah and, like and, i, I right, feel it's like, like you're i'm sitting at the best... table too and you're yeah. sharing the secret yeah like yeah. i'm her bestie
1: and like we're catching eyes like, kind of like oh yeah your mom well, your mom's a piece <laughs> of work or, yeah super uh, your dad it's 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 good. And like everything just like that happens is maximum like social awkward. Mm-hmm. Like you know, your dad and his her dad's like the most inarticulate man alive, but I I love it cuz <laughs> it feels like my dad who's like or, or I you always seen this in families that are like maybe non non-conventional, but they're there together for the holidays and everyone loves each other and and a family member wants to step up and maybe drunkenly mark the occasion <laughs> But they don't have any of the emotional language required to do anything, mm-hmm. and everyone's just kind of awkwardly like, "Oh, when's Grandma going to sit down?" <laughs> or when, when is Aunt Kathy going to s- stop this? Like, it, it just perfectly capture, captures that. I thought. Uh, and yeah. then, my, oh my one God. of my favorite
2: moments was her catching her sister's husband, husband. fiance. I- I think it's husband. Yeah. Is it husband okay, catching her sister's husband drinking. Uh and just what an absolute shit this guy is. He is one of the worst human beings I've ever seen. How are you gonna make this all about you? I'm interested in seeing it. <sighs>
1: Especially since like, the one thing I got from the previously on is he absolutely initiated a romantic encounter on her, and then she did the right thing, told her sister, and then he threw the bus threw in her bus and said, "Well, who are you going to believe me or is yeah. just your your crazy sister?" And so they had this falling out, and it feels yeah. like a little bit of a coming
2: together here in this first episode. Yeah, well, it's a
1: year flash like forward from that event, and they are pretending to be together for the sake of their father. Or like pretending yeah but, to be a- but i do i do feel like there's a,
2: a path forward for them uh especially with this guy being shown to be a complete asshole and liar yeah um and i think she knows that because she's going home mm-hmm. alone right she's not leaving with this guy right she's going to the hospital to right, yeah. the hospital alone yeah so i assume that like they have she has acknowledged that okay maybe this guy has lied to me mm-hmm. and i'm interested to see how that the sister relationship progresses from here
1: yeah, and like a lot, like Russian Doll before it, it I feel like it's headed to a tra- tra- trajectory where it's very funny and very real, but also gives people kind of like, hey, there's a path forward. Like, you don't, this doesn't have to be your life. You can, um, and I felt like, I don't know what this person's path is in season one, but it feels like she's kind of a mess of a character, but like she was right on, like her sister trying to... Swallow all of her grief and all of her pain she's going through, and pretend like nothing's happening with this this miscarriage she suffers. Like that's like the least healthy thing you can do. And you know, maybe it's not great to blow that you know to, to to disclose that information, but it's like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I do. And
0: she does like like, it's a medical emergency, though. It's like it's like choking, and you know how people get embarrassed when they choke and they're actually dying in a restaurant because. But you still do
1: the Heimlich, regardless of whether they (laughs) want to do or not, right? Yeah, it's great because like I I was thinking, like, God, what the hell is going to happen when they sit down? And somehow they found the most uh, awkward way to deal with it possible. Like she didn't. I thought she's just going to spill the beans, but somehow she like. Started to, but then made it about herself, and then just made commentary about her sister's crazy decisions by framing it about me. Was like, oh, I'm gonna be the the most passive aggressive asshole. I'm gonna deal with this most passive aggressive anal way possible. You know, Uh, it's uh, it, it just really really worked for me
0: yeah it was good and everyone else was you know had been drinking enough that it that all that nuance was lost on them on uh-huh. what was actually happening uh-huh. oh, and God, all of yeah. that led into the most hilarious punch accidental punch fight I've ever seen on
1: <laughs> well, especially since the guy was being vicious towards his the sister which he thought was like going to be something his wife would enjoy but he didn't realize that he's actually saying things are incredibly vicious and insensitive About yeah. his wife, to yeah. just women like any like woman in general but like specifically his wife mm-hmm. and then it leads to like you said the uh, and then the fact that they oh my god the the needy waitress how they kept on uh, like weaving that in the story until she ends up taking a punch at the end it's just it's really great
0: yeah i like uh, the show i'm, it's, I'm it's gonna so go...
1: go it's so good i want to go back to season one and like you know get, get that under my belt uh, i, I
2: took cry. a little offense of them calling her a needy waitress because she's I, a good waitress yeah she's well, pretty needy <laughs> she, she's she's over attentive but i like is that her fault or is that the fault of our society and her managers and like i i just i don't know i felt like you're also white
0: staff is like in that country where she's at where is she
2: i have no idea where she is i think they're in london somewhere yeah okay Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so i don't do they they don't do tipping over there okay
2: in that case it makes a lot more sense
0: right Uh, that's what i got from it i also especially think especially like when claire to... got up at one point and then the waitress runs over and she's like do you think she'll need anything
1: uh, <laughs> yeah i also think there's like some things like you know like couples that aren't very affectionate like seem like take ultra offense to seeing public displays of affection on others like that's like a trigger for them like oh god why don't they get a hotel room whereas like this family is emotionally closed off so someone just kind of like being attentive and caretaking is like someone taking Hugs. care of them yeah. well makes them feel weird, and it's like, ugh. yeah, you know, it's like if you're not a hugger and someone is, it feels weird, even though like this is a hug, this is human contact, like, right? Uh, I thought there's a little bit of like, yes, they said that, but consider the source, you know, like, gotcha, these people who all probably use therapy or have no <laughs> no frame of reference to call someone needy or well-adjusted right. or anything like a little that. bit of both. Well, if they're all English, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They're even more buttoned-down Americans. Hey, before we move on, I want to talk about what's going on the rest of the week here at BaldMove.com. If you are a TV fan, and I know you are listening to BaldMove TV, we are covering Chernobyl every Wednesday. We have a full episode on the BaldMove TV feed, which is this one. You might want to subscribe to it. Uh, It's a really great miniseries on HBO outlining the Chernobyl disaster and the Soviets' response to it. and uh, it's just all the crazy shit and heroism that went on and stupidity that went on in the, the days uh, after. Um, we're also on the movie feed. There's a lot of activity uh, next week. We've got a Wednesday Super Serious Film Fest coming out. That's the last one that we're doing in a in, uh, uh, celebration of Game of Thrones. This is we're going to be doing a podcast on Willow uh there's also going to be a john wick three parabellum review out next week as well as a, a review of the new live action aladdin so tons tons of action in the bald movies feed please subscribe to that as well if you'd like to keep up on it and of course the big the 800 pound gorilla or the eight season long gorilla in the room is God, Is game of thrones uh it's the final episode of the series uh, we have full coverage all week long. Sunday night, the instant take slash talk. Tuesday, the full podcast, and uh, Friday, the spoiler edition. And we'll have an additional uh, a, th- uh, a week uh, uh, a week after this is all said and done. We'll have a wrap up podcast to kind of send off the, epi- the the series in style. And that's what's happening here at BaldMove.com. dot com. Muhammad Ali, say my name, um, Muhammad I- Ali. I've oh, say his name, not my name. I've I've only seen the first half of this. There's a it's just essentially a two episodes, they're 90 minutes apiece. The first deals with um his life up through like the his first comeback victory after he was sent to prison for dodging the the Vietnam draft or being a conscious objector to the Vietnam draft and um the second one I presume takes him all the way to the grave because it does yeah. seem like the setup it sets out to tell the story of Muhammad Ali from the time of him being a baby, born in Louisville, Kentucky, in our backyard, until you know, and, and the impact he had on society, in the sports world, in the world of politics and civil rights. Um, I've seen a decent number of Muhammad Ali biopics and documentaries. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, what was your opinion on this one, Jim? Uh,
2: I like it. Uh, I, but not maybe not for the reasons that you would expect a Muhammad Ali documentary to hit, no pun intended. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's not a particularly great sports documentary, which it's made by HBO Sports. That's kind of the only reason I point that out. Right. Um, but as a who-was-this-man kind of documentary, I think it, it does a much better job. Because uh, the highlights of his fights, I think, are so without context to be almost meaningless mm-hmm. uh I it, like the only things that really made sense in the context of this documentary as far as the fights go is when he loses a fight mm-hmm. and when he comes back and regains the title those types of things like seeing you know him fight ken norton for the third time or whatever or some schmo that you know he just had to he had to climb this ladder back again is it's sort of pointless and they mm-hmm. don't they don't dwell on anything long enough, which I guess is both a, a blessing and a curse, because if they did, I would, I'd be saying, oh, it's even worse because they dwell on this too long and it doesn't mean right. anything. But I think where the documentary
1: shines is showing what kind of man Muhammad Ali was. You know, it puts a context, I think, for like non boxing fans, like why he was so unique, because he had a very unconventional, like everything about him is unconventional, kind of like a stance, his defense. Uh... I just don't think
2: they do a great job. I've seen better
1: Oh, sure. better boxing Muhammad Ali boxing documentaries in this way better right but I think that like a person that doesn't know anything about boxing and just wants to know why was Muhammad Ali such a like lightning in the bottle situation you see this person and they and and they contrast him to all the other boxers of the day and just like he looks different he moves different uh his the way he runs his mouth the Mm -hmm. the way he brings in social commentary and says like just relentlessly smart things about it um you know, it's like I got as as I was watching, It, it was like, I, I kind of got it like why that he was a key figure for civil rights. And I know a lot of people, um, you know, have some mixed feelings about like Nation of Islam and black Muslims and some of that, the, the politics of that movement. But watching the first half of this, I'm like, if you're a racist white person, it's very hard to pretend that you are better than Muhammad Ali in almost any any <laughs> facet of life. Sure. Like he's extremely good-looking he's powerful he could kick your ass he's also very smart he's also very rich he's th- charismatic he's charismatic he's he's uh, did i say he's also rid- he's also ridiculously good-looking when talk uh-huh. about it like you know you can talk about my defense how yeah, well yeah. my hands are but I'm my still- face doesn't get hit i've been in 180 fights and look how pretty <laughs> i'm i'm as pretty as a girl like like he just he's like a he's like he's, a, he's like the rock from de- his wwe days <laughs> yeah. except for he actually can legitimately take you apart well, i'm sure to rocket too but oh me certainly yeah um i i just like i just he's just like uh one of these one-of-a-kind talents and the way he would like fuck with people in the ring uh and mm-hmm. and get in their heads in the pre and post fight stuff just i and and hold his own against uh kind of this white establishment sports media that was trying to take him down and trying to paint him as this uppity black man that you know is too good to fight for his country and but like all the things he said like i thought it was really fascinating him coming back for the olympics and talking about like you know what i'm gonna go to the nicest i'm gonna go to i i just wore, i just won the gold medal for my country this yep. country that my daddy fought for in world war ii and and uh, I be I whoop the world for America. And I'm gonna go to the best steakhouse in my hometown, and I'm gonna celebrate. And I probably won't have to write a check. And they try to not serve him because he's yeah. black. And he's like, well, I, he's like, we don't serve Negroes. We're like, good, I don't eat him either. Give me my steak, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just like, how yeah. how the fuck can you argue with that? And seeing a guy like that on TV giving speeches into a sea of like white people, like I feel like even if he wasn't politically act active, just him living his life was kind of a rebuttal to some of the supremacy of the time. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's the, the thing that the second
2: part of the documentary does so well is they, cause you know, ultimately this ends up in a semi tragedy, right? Like the, the tolls that boxing has taken yeah. on Muhammad Ali or potentially even just his genetics, uh, cause mm-hmm. him to end up with
1: a debilitating disease. Probably even if it's one or the other, the, like the combination, no good.
2: Yeah, definitely not. Uh, and, and so you can kind of see like the the toll that that takes on him. But I also think it was the toll of just having to stand up for his people constantly. Like he he comes back from all all of this stuff with the draft and and stuff very much a different person. At least yeah. from what I can tell, uh, based on these interviews, which is one thing I appreciate about this documentary. It's all told through either interview the voices of interviews with him or his own voices. Uh, or his own recordings like family members people who were close to him Mm -hmm. and it's no these aren't contemporary review or interviews these or like conversations they had with people who knew him in the past these are of the era that they're trying to depict here Mm -hmm. um and and that really helps to kind of lay out who he was at any given time because you hear it in his own words yeah uh but you see like this this has taken a toll on him he goes into this whole draft thing as kind of a bright-eyed kid Mm -hmm. who who you know has had some some adversity and some challenges based on his race and and who he is and where he grew up Mm -hmm. but i think more so like the whole weight of feeling like he has like like he is an icon but also i don't think he ever resents that but i also think it takes a toll on him being forced to you know represent an entire people and you can see that he's less of a boxer when he comes back. Mm-hmm. He he at some point in the second half of this documentary, I think it's the second half, says, I don't like boxing. I don't I don't want anything to do with boxing mm-hmm. when he's going through like his, his black Muslim phase. Uh or I don't even know if it's a phase, because at some point he comes back around to like, Oh, I'm actually the smart talking Muhammad Ali that I was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh but but his
1: at that point his physical abilities are sort of failing him. And it's <laughs> That's the thing. Like, as great as Muhammad Ali was, like he had five years of his absolute prime stolen from him, and and I think that took a huge toll on him. And also, like, I don't know, like, I I, because like I, it seems to me, and I've said this several times, but it seems to me that like conventional wisdom is the Vietnam War was a bad idea and like a waste of resources and human lives, which makes like you know so that's like a tragic in bulk because like what sixty eight thousand some maybe ninety thousand service members gave up their lives and hundreds of thousand Vietnamese. Um, But, like, this, like, personalizes, like, this is a thing you can point down to, like, the world, like, boxing wasn't, like, was changed. Like, the history of boxing was changed by this this thing happening to Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And also, like, at the time, like, people were like, well, he's not patriotic, he's not willing to fight for his country. But his, history is judging him. Like, he was on the right side. Every, nothing that he said was particularly out there like he was saying things that i think are are extremely true for both the time he lives in today like a specifically criticism about vietnam war and the fact that you know why would he go for a fight a fight for a country that hates him and and people like him and and are are Mm -hmm. lying and tricking people and you know interfering in in other countries ability to 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 do their business and and, and try their own forms of government. Um, he comes at like like, I feel like history's judged him correct, but he went through so much shit for it, saying what were correct things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he makes a point that, you know, I
2: am doing much more of a service in the ring than I could ever do. Uh-huh. On a battlefield, uh-huh. um, and he's right about that. Like I, he he says, every time I get in the ring, I'm fighting for this country. I'm fighting for this right, government. I'm like, my, yeah, it's a t- I'm making taxes and all that. Yeah, I mean, but not even that, right? He's showing that the black men can be respected. That mm-hmm. like I, it's he he is doing, I think, far more good in the ring than he could have done holding a gun in the jungle. Uh, sure, but, but the point I was trying to get around to is it it's sort of a tragedy at the end. What happens to him with with his Parkinson's disease? But he himself, in his own words, says you shouldn't you shouldn't pity me because as much as boxing has taken from me, it's given me ten times yeah. that much back, yeah. uh, and it's given my people ten times that much back. So, like, there, there's there's a message at the end which it's hard not to look at it and say, "Oh man, that's just such a tragedy." Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he didn't look at it that way, and yeah. it's it's kind of you know uplifting that that maybe we don't have to look at it that way, too. And then they go into, like, all the charity work and stuff mm-hmm. and the, the, you know, getting hostages back from Iran and, and all the things he did with, like, Jimmy Carter and Reagan and stuff and, and the the help that he gave people mm-hmm. even after, you know, he was debilitated to the point where he could no longer box. He still had much more to contribute.
1: Yeah, and I thought there was some other interesting parallels that the, sh- the, the documentary didn't make out of stuff that I noticed is that... Like, the people intentionally misnaming him (laughs) just to be pricks Mm -hmm. reminds me a lot of, like, the issue of, like, mispronouncing and dead naming trans people. Yeah. Like, it's so clear to me that there's a certain class. I mean, there's some people that just aren't where they need to be in education. Um, They just don't understand. But there's some people that are doing it and they know what they're doing. And they're just doing it to hurt people and disrespect people and make them feel like their choices don't matter. Uh, and I just got like a lot of deja vu because the arguments these people are making about like, well, this is, this is what says on his birth certificate. And I'm going to like it is, you know, I understand they're not identical things. Um, but I felt like there was a lot of similarity in the types of attitudes I've seen from people doing that and the types of attitudes I see from people doing that in, in the trans community. Um, yeah, I can see it
2: from his opponents. Like, yeah. That's a tactic to get in his head. Yeah. But but yeah, when you got trainers of other boxers
1: that aren't fighting him calling yeah. him
2: cassius it's like what the oh his yeah.
1: attempt to like it's like you know like oh you are and it's like a lot also came from uh fellow black athletes even yeah, yeah you know like they're like hey i'm uh they they were contrasting like their willingness to be in the military military service with his and you know and and i, I it's interesting because like i think obviously uh muhammad ali generated a lot of press just as a promotion of himself but like that stuff where he was calling some of those boxers like uncle tom and got really heated like that felt like he like i felt like there's a couple times where you you hear genuine emotion like i'm not yeah. just fucking with you man like no this is like you know i'm I, it's like he's like i don't hate the guy but i don't like him because he's doing these incredible like he's not using he's refusing to say my name he's making fun of my religion he's making fun of my stances he's carrying water for this government that You know, won't serve us at restaurants, but wants us to go fight in its wars. Like, uh, that's the time where it's like, and I think a a lot of people smeared him in the time of like, well, he's just doing this is just part of his self-promotion. But like, I felt like the documentary did a good job of showing this is what Muhammad Ali looks like when he's just running his fucking mouth. Yeah. When he's like trying to generate interest in the fight and like putting in and trying to get his opponent riled up. And this is him actually. No, you are actually hurting me and like you trying to take down my human dignity. And I thought that was cool. I I would say
2: um, probably the the last thing I really have to say on this is Muhammad Ali's boxing career Mm -hmm. is incredible. Yes, And if, if you look at this documentary and you go like, Oh, what's the big deal? I mean, he had a few comebacks. He lost a few fights. Go watch some of these full fights in their entirety because the highlights that they show, give you, like, a couple of big moments, but it's all about the Mm lead-up. It's all about, like, the context of the fight um, that you don't get from this documentary at all and is is what makes those fights so amazing. Yeah. I I will understand, like, some people are not inclined to watch fights of any kind. Sure. um, And I'm not going to, you know, disparage you for that. But if you are interested, go... They're available, like, on YouTube and stuff. Mm -hmm. Go look up some of Muhammad Muhammad Ali's bigger fights, like the Thrill Manila against... uh, Was that one George Foreman? I think so. Or was that I, they, Rumble though, in the that Jungle? Was, that
1: was all happened in part two, so I...
2: Yeah, yeah. I I don't remember which it is. There, there's I one I fight which where... One came
1: first and which one came second. And, yeah.
2: yeah. The, when, when he starts to do his rope-it-up stuff, there's one fight where... I, I want to say it was maybe... Maybe Rumble in the Jungle. I don't know. where They, they just beat the crap out of each other. And you uh-huh. look at that fight and you go, oh my God, if there's any fight that you could mark in Muhammad Ali's career that might have caused some injuries... Mm-hmm. This one is it. Mm-hmm. Because he's right, most of the time he doesn't get punched. But watch some of the ones where he doesn't and he just takes down his opponent. It's it's amazing. He's an incredible athlete. He really is. He, he is probably the greatest boxer.
1: Yeah. And, like I I'm not I, I haven't seen every boxer. And there's the stuff but, like I hadn't seen a lot of his like golden gloves era stuff and like when, when he was younger, just like a yeah. skinny kid throwing punches and working his way up to heavyweight and how his yeah. like you know, he honed his body to to be like that, and there's just... Uh, and also, the, his generation, it wasn't like that he was a giant amongst a bunch of, like, fucking jabronis. Like, like <laughs> right. when they showed, the, like, the pre-fight with Sonny Liston, and, like, you see Sonny Liston, he's like the fucking Incredible Hulk, just chopping dudes down, like, just beating the fuck, and I'm like, I yeah. even knowing, like, Muhammad Ali's gonna win the fight, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like... It just seems like he, I, 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 cause I, I know a lot of people like, you know, were rooting against Muhammad Ali and, uh, mm-hmm. because like, you know, he was a brash, outspoken black man. But there's a lot of people like, no, nah, I just think this guy's gonna be able to tear this guy apart. He just doesn't have the mass, he doesn't have the, mm-hmm. the, the strength, but he's just so smooth and so quick and so hard to hit in his younger days. Um, was yeah. he, he actually was undefeated until he went to prison, right? Yeah. And I think he came back off that three year. Uh,
2: break and he fought Sonny Liston for the first time, and he lost.
1: Yeah. And it's like you could tell that he wasn't in the, his condition. Yeah. Like, he probably, his mind wasn't in it. And um, but, he's but he still he lost by decision. It, it's it's striking right. to me that
2: you only ever see him hit the mat one time in this entire documentary. Because mm. I, I don't think he's been knocked down
1: very I did many times. I see a couple times where... That's the other thing that they didn't... They obviously, didn't stop the documentary to point this out, but there, I saw a couple times in the first half where I know he took a concussion... <laughs> 'Cause he got wobbly in his knees and was like falling uh-huh. and like they put him back in a fight and he was still not upstairs fully. Man And like when you see these old fights and or like old football games and like you're like, Oh Jesus, they're breaking this person's brain and they they don't know it
2: it's it's even worse in the second half of this documentary where you know the muhammad ali is on the tail end of his career and he's just taking tons you of, can now he's you can it. see him getting interviewed by howard cosell three days before the fight and he can barely keep his eyes open he can hardly speak and you know three days later he's going into that ring against an opponent who is 15 years younger than him yeah and determined to tear his head off Mm-hmm somehow Muhammad Ali is able to get into that ring and hold his own mm-hmm. and not get just absolutely devastated. But you know, he's not, yeah. he should not be in that ring and the people yeah. around him putting him in that ring. Although I will say they make this very clear that Muhammad Al- Ali wanted to be in that ring. Right. There was nothing that could stop him. I don't think from getting in that ring. If his manager right. said, no, we're not putting you in there. Right. If his promoter said, we're not promoting this fight, he'd go find somebody else and he'd get in that fucking ring because he wanted to come back that fourth time. And, yeah it's it gets sad
1: at the end i think but also hopeful because of his own words do you think that uh i, I will weight boxing ever be good again because it seems like conventional wisdom is that you know now we know about traumatic brain injuries and concussions that um you just the quality of athletes that are going into there like people from america just don't start boxing nowadays you're getting a lot of people from like Eastern Europe and other parts of the world, like uh, yeah, you know Indonesia, and Malaysia, places that you know, like just not as well educated and are have worse social economic situations. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that like and it seems like the UFC is also stealing a lot of its thunder and a lot of people promote that as a safer sport? I I wonder if that's like that'll <laughs> Without be seen. The gloves, yeah. yeah, I wonder if that'll be seen like filtered cigarettes in a few years because. We just we just haven't we don't know like what the long term effects of people like it seems like it's better than letting people get their brains beat out and putting people that are essentially functionally still knocked out and concussed but putting them back in the fight. Um, yeah. But uh, you know like getting there there's no safe amount of t- times to take severe blows to their head.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Unfortunately, uh, I actually like um, fighters like Manny Pacquiao who are in lighter, lighter weight classes. Lighter weights, yeah. Because uh, they are more technically technically proficient. They have yeah. to be because those blows, you know, a, a guy who's five foot four is not really going to be able to throw a punch right. to generate the power that can knock somebody out.
1: And they usually have better conditioning and it's faster and it's more it's, it's more cinematic yeah. like boxing. Oh, it's, it's I think it's so much more exciting. Like um, this, like, like honestly, though, some of these the fights of Ali's prime when he had top world class competition did surprisingly look like Rocky fights. Especially since yeah. Muhammad Ali had that yeah. like crazy casual defense, where he just kind of keeps his hit his hands down at like belly button level, and he dodges you. And he, yeah, you just you still can't st- they right. hit punches on him, and he's like, it's it's so fucking crazy, but. I don't know, like every once in a while you'll see a heavyweight guy like uh in, in the like the nineties, uh there's like Roy Jones, Jones Jr., which if you haven't seen his highlights, check those out on YouTube. All right. Uh we will be that be back next week. We've got a full we'll have a standalone podcast around Wednesday for this weekend's Chernobyl. Uh we'll also be doing bald move T V uh next Friday with whatever whatever our net drags up from the, the depths of the uh the internet internet broadcasting
2: yeah. those those uh, those streamers the streamers streaming services originals the
1: hulus whatever maybe uh-huh. the networks will get lucky one of these days and get something <laughs> on there good luck <laughs> uh but we'll be back to that send in your feedback to tv at baldmove.com. uh yeah next week uh we it's obviously a big week of game of thrones and lots of television i think we got another movie uh check all that out on baldmove.com until then i'm your host aaron i'm jim
0: and i'm cecily see ya